Talking about kids today, number three here in our, in our series on uh, Modern Family. Title of the message is really say no to your, saying no to your kids. Um, we're going to go a little further than that, really. It's really about boundaries and, uh, and so forth, and we're going to talk about that. Um, I'm going to tell you, um, well, I'll tell you that in a second. There's a lot here. There's a lot going on here, and I'll tell you about that. I thought, I thought it'd be best as we start this thing out, talking about you know, saying no to your kids or, or boundaries with your children. I thought it'd be good to start off just kind of getting a, a, a smattering of, of wisdom from, from relevant cultural icons, so to speak. So, I, you know, you, you can't talk about parenting without throwing out a Bill Cosby quote, right? You've got to have a little Bill Cosby in there. The truth is that parents are not really interested in justice. They just want quiet. <laughs> and then let's, keep, let's just keep going here. Phyllis Diller has a lot to say about this. And, and uh, uh, this is really good. It would seem that something which means poverty, disorder, and violence every single day should be avoided entirely. But the desire to beget children is a natural urge. <laughs> and then the... Uh, this is really good. The lady that wrote uh, um, Pippi Longstocking, great story, great, great author. Her name is Estrid Alada. She said this, There comes a time when a woman needs to stop thinking about her looks and focus her energies on raising her children. This time comes at the moment of conception. A child needs a role model, not a supermodel. Interesting. You're not sure you like that, do you? Um, the best one by far is the Mark Twain quote. You've heard it probably before. I put it on Facebook yesterday and asked people to vote on whether I should use this quote or not, and I got enough uh, encouragement to, to go ahead and use it. Um, Mark Twain said this, When a child turns 13, you should put him in a barrel, nail the, li- nail the lid down, and feed him through a knot hole. When he turns 16, plug the hole. <laughs> I can relate to that, really. You know, I mean, a lot of us, if you've had some 16-year-olds, I mean, it's been a while, but I can, I can relate to that. I got one. I'll tell you about it in a minute. Um, <clears throat> today, of course, we're enlightened with, with uh, as we saw so well illustrated on by video, uh, the, the Tiger Mom thing that's, that's, that's just really, I mean, it's everywhere right now. You can pick up Time Magazine, front cover of that, all over the Internet. She, the author, um, um, Amy uh, Chuao is, uh, Chua, should, should say, uh, Yale Law Professor. She has been a lot of morning shows, saw her interviewed and so forth. So let me just read to you one little excerpt from uh, the Time Magazine article about this whole Tiger Mom phenomenon thing. And um, it, it, it's like this. I'm just, I'll just read it to you. It was the little white donkey incident that pushed many readers over the edge. That's the name of the piano tune that Amy Chua, a Yale Law professor and self-described tiger mother, forced her seven-year-old daughter Lulu to practice for hours on end, right through dinner, into the night, with no breaks for water or even the bathroom. Until at last, Lulu learned to play the piece perfectly. A lot of people didn't like that too much. They kind of reacted to it. Now, now in fairness to, um, to Miss Chua, um, in an interview in Time magazine, she did say this, and I saw her interviewed, so I, I don't want anybody to leave here with a, a necessarily a, an incorrect view of, of this lady, who uh, well-intentioned lady, I might add. And here's what she said in the Time Magazine article. I didn't write this book to tell people how to parent. In fact, I wrote this book in a moment of crisis. I was raised in it by an extremely strict but extremely loving Chinese immigrant parents. To this day, I adore them, and I feel I owe them everything. I tried to raise my children the same way. My daughter rebelled against this kind of parenting, and I felt like my family was falling apart. So the book was about 
many of the strengths I see in that kind of parenting, but it's also about the mistakes. So, um, in the interest of being, you know, compassionate and fair here, I mean, it's not like she necessarily endorsed this as a parenting book. So here's what I want to do. I want to take you to the Bible and just show you a, a, a passage in the Bible that deals with discipline. And I'm going to explain discipline in just a moment. Um, and and it, it's discipline in this sense. It's really, the, the, the passage really is about how God deals with us as his children. So we're really we're going to learn two things here, I hope. One, we're going to, we're going to learn how God deals with us if we're a person of faith and how, he, how God deals with us as his children and draw from that principles, for those of you who are parents, some principles on how you then can model that after how God deals with us, so how you deal with your children. So we're going to learn that. We're going to, we're going to look at this. Let me just show you this. Um, he's going to talk in just a moment in this passage, Hebrews 12. He's going to talk about discipline. I need to define the word for you. Greek word, you don't necessarily care what the Greek word is, but here's what the Greek word means. It means to instruct, to correct, or to chastise. All that. Is, it, is, is discipline... In other words, my, my kid plays in the street. I, I, you know, I, I put him on a timeout or whatever you do, paddle or whatever, and say, don't play in the street. Is that discipline? Yes. Uh, or a chastisement, actually. But there's also a discipline that we all learn that's not necessarily for something we did wrong. It's just part of instruction. And, and that's, that's, that, that, this word is more holistic. It includes both. And so when God disciplines us, is it because we did something wrong? Sometimes, Yes. But sometimes things happen that we didn't do anything wrong. You know, I have a friend struggling for his life right now uh, with cancer, and he did, he's not, it's not like he chain-smoked every day or anything like that. Uh, he, did, he did nothing to, 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 to have this cancer. Um, it just happened. And he's learning a lot of things through all that. As many of you, so whether it be in terms of your health, whether it be in terms of financial issues or whatever it might be that you're going through, marriage, kids, family, whatever, um, sometimes we, we, we are instructed by what we're going through, particularly those times that are pretty tough on us. So that's what this word discipline means. It's both. It's holistic very much in its approach. I'm going to show you five things very quickly um, as we read this. But let me, before I do that, let me just read the passage to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. Just follow along. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is teaching you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? It's a very important line right there. Very important line. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? This guy had never been to shop right, has he? Anyway... <laughs> Verse 8, (laughs) if God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not not really his children at all. Since we respect that our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God disciplined us. God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. It's a good passage. Just that God will add His blessing, as always, to the reading of the Bible. Um, five things, very simple. First two are going to be real, real, real quick. But I've got to do it. First thing is, and I already kind of alluded to it, first thing is discipline is assumed in the Bible. It's just assumed you're going to discipline your kids. 
Okay, that's, just, that's just an assumption. He said, that's what he says. Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? Huh, I have. But it's just assumed in the Bible. Okay, so that's the first thing. And God deals with us in that way. It's interesting, isn't it? How many times that we, we look back on some of the, some of the tough times that, that, that we've gone through, some self-inflicted, some not, and, and the things that we learned through all of that. C.S. Lewis, I think it was, it said uh, in his book, uh, The Problem of Pain, um, God shouts to us in our pain. And many times he does. We, we learn our greatest lessons uh, through the painful times that we go through, whether that be physical or whether that be emotional, spiritual, some other kind of thing. Discipline is assumed in the Bible, number one. Number two, discipline is always from love. You know, that's, that's where he says it very clearly for us back in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, back in verse 8. If, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you're, you're illegitimate. You're not his kid. You're not his child. God deals with us out of love. You need to remember that. Always out of love. Some tough things can happen in our lives, but it's never because God's mad at us. God's not mad at us anymore. That's why Jesus came and went to the cross and died for your sins and rose again for my sins and your sins. He's not mad. God disciplines. Discipline's assumed in the Bible, and, 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 and discipline always comes from love. Not anger. Did you hear that? Not anger. Not because I flew off the handle, but it's out of love. It's what needs to be thought through. You've heard the, the little platitude, I'm sure, many times, don't ever discipline a child while you're angry. And... and uh, it's easier said than done, obviously, um, but it's, it, there's, there's good wisdom to that in the sense that you might over-discipline in that particular case, might overreact. So you need, you need a, a good head about you in that particular kind of thing, full senses. So discipline is always from love. Now, let's go to the third thing, and, and I'm going to just show you um, three, four, and five and talk about them a little bit. Um, n- number three, discipline is always redemptive. It's not punitive. It's always redemptive. Um, let me show you. In verse 10, he says, Our fathers, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. The way God deals with it, it's always good for us. It may not seem like it at the time. Um, it may hurt like he- he- heck at the time. But God always wants our good. And, and sometimes I don't understand that, I'll be honest. I don't understand what, what good can come out of this particular thing I'm going through or my friend's going through, but I believe it. Now, it's important to note this thing. We, when we talk about discipline being always redemptive, that doesn't mean your kids are always going to see it that way. That doesn't mean you're always going to be popular with your kids. She may not be the best person to quote on this subject, but I'm going to anyway. The late actress Betty Davis had a great, great line about this. If you have never been hated by your children, you have never been a parent. <laughs> Sometimes they're going to hate us. And, and, and you know what? They're going to get angry at us. Let me ask you something. Let's, let's, let's keep the parallel going. You ever been angry at God? I have. I've many, I, I, not many, but a few times I've said, God, what in the hell, hell are you doing? He hasn't answered me yet. Thank God. But I've been, and, and it's, all be, it's because of my own fallenness and not understanding and my own limit, limited knowledge. I can't see the big picture, but, but you get mad sometimes, God. Um, and you know, somehow he just loves us anyway. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying it happens. 
Same thing with parents. Sometimes your kids are going to get mad at you. <laughs> I want to go back to, um, let me go back to uh, Tiger Mom for a moment, all right? Interview. The question was, what are the chief differences between the Western style of parenting and the Chinese style of parenting? Here's what she said. I think the biggest difference is that I've noticed Western parents seem much more concerned about their children's psyches, their self-esteem, whereas tough immigrant parents assume strength rather than, 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 being, than the you know, fragility in their children and therefore behave completely differently. I think it goes without saying that love and understanding have to come first. Without that, it's nothing. And then she goes on, at its best, I think it's not about achievement, but about trying to help your child be the best they can be, and it's usually more than they think. It's saying, I believe in you so much that I know you can be excellent. I'm going to sacrifice everything, be in the trenches with you. I don't care if you hate me while you're a kid. I'm just not going to let, I'm just not going to let you give up. She says, that's the positive message. Uh, I would say that amen. I mean, that, that's, that's the way it needs to be sometimes. You know, the, the successful child is the one who has learned, and we need to really think about that, how to overcome. Learn how to overcome the, the inevitable losses and be able to move on, not the one that's been protected from failing. Sometimes we have to let them fail. You, you didn't get your homework done. I'm not going to write a note for you. I'm gonna, you're going to go face the music, dude, because you didn't do it. You know, whatever that might mean at that time. A friend of mine puts it this way. Uh, I, I, I didn't write this, but I like it. Resilience is a much better measure of a child's ability to thrive than the lack of bumps in the road. And that's true. So, so that's, that's the big thing here, and we need to stop and really think on that. Discipline is always redemptive. And there might be anger, and there might be misunderstanding and so forth. But you're, you, you know, God always does that for us out of our good. We always do that for our children for their good, even though they don't realize it usually at the time. The fourth thing that i got to give, you know, yeah, discipline is assumed. Discipline always comes out of love. Discipline is always redemptive. Fourth thing that i got to just, just throw in kind of quickly, if I can, um, is that discipline is sometimes mishandled. Let me show you the verse. I just read it a minute ago where it says in verse 10, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. You know, it, it, the point there in that verse is doing the best they knew how. He's, he, the, the verse is drawing a comparison. They did the best they knew how. Our, our dads, me as a dad, I did the best I knew how. God, God's perfect. I wasn't. And, and we need to understand that. One of the things that... Um, you think back on things, you know, particularly my season of life and so forth, and one of the things that has been a popular subject to talk about on, on now on family vacations or when we're all together and so forth. One time my son, 16, about 16 years old at the time, 16 or 17, and uh, he had been treating and had, for a long time, had had a history of not treating his little sister with the kind of honor that I felt like he should and uh, put her down, you know. He, he, my son, at that, at that particular time, my son just had the smartest mouth. I mean, he had a, I don't know where he got it from, but he just had the smart, <laughs> smart aleck mouth. His mother, I think, you know. And <laughs> She's not in this service, I can say that. Um, and I just, I, just, I just preaching to him for a long time. Hey, dude, come on. Don't be talk, talking to your sister like that. To this day, I'm not sure I did the right thing. I'll, I'm going to tell you, and you can think about it. But he would just put it out, you're stupid, you're ugly. And I said, hey, no. And I just kept saying, how can I make my point to this kid? So 
We were somewhere in, in the house, and he did it again. Oh, you're ugly, you're stupid, or something. And I said, okay, that did it. So I grabbed him right here by his shirt. I put him up against the wall with my arm against him like this. He's 6'2 or 6'3 at that point. I'm 5'10, okay? But, but I'm dirty. But anyway, uh, I just put him up to the wall like that, and I said, let me tell you something. You don't understand this, Randy, but I'm trying to raise the first female in the history of Western civilization who has a healthy self-image. You're not helping, okay? <laughs> and here's the deal. I said, you're not going to say that again because if you do, if you do one more thing like that, I'm going to bring the wrath of God down on you so much, you're going to wonder what the heck hit you. Do you understand? And he's shaking at this point. And Charlene's looking at me like, oh, my gosh. I didn't, I just, I, I just you know. I said, do you understand? <laughs> Yeah, Dad, I understand. It, it, yeah, I'll tell you, it, it changed. Dramatic difference after that. I don't necessarily endorse that. I, I honestly, I still don't know if that was the right thing to do or not. I had to make a point. I made it. It did make a difference. Um, and, you know, changed his behavior. My point in telling you that story is just, you know, we make mistakes, and sometimes we don't know. We do the best we can. We do the best we can. And that's what that verse is saying. It's so, it's so good. He's like, our earthly fathers disciplined us for, for a few years doing the best they knew how. And we commit that to Christ. And we say, Lord, help me to not act out of anger. So funny, on that particular occasion, you know, I let him go and left. And then Charlene looked at me and she says, she was like, what's going on? And she's like, are you okay? I said, I'm great. I'm good. Okay, let's go. Um, the thing is, we just have to stop and think, you know? So anyway, discipline is sometimes mishandled, but never when God deals with us. That's important for me to know, because I do get mad sometimes, as I said to God, but, but, I, but at the end of the day, you know, I really know that he only deals with me out of love. And I may not like what's going on at that particular moment, but I trust him, that whatever that is, there's a redemptive thread running through it that's going to turn out. Last thing, yeah, discipline is assumed in the Bible. Discipline always comes from love. Discipline is always redemptive. Discipline is sometimes mishandled. Last thing, and this is the big one, discipline produces right living. Discipline produces right living. I mean, the reason we do what we do as parents is that so many times that we, we're trying to produce that right living. And like I said a moment ago, it's, it's um, sometimes we don't know, but we do the best we can. Oh, I got a quote. By, I, I, mean, I almost missed that quote. I had always wanted to quote Michelle Pfeiffer in a message, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, she... She deserves being quoted in church, I think, you know. I mean, come on. Right. Anyway, <laughs> like all parents, this is great. Like all parents, my husband and I just do the best we can. Hold our breath and hope we've set aside enough money to pay for our kids' therapy. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. <laughs> I've done some of that. That's good. But, 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 the, but the goal is to produce right living. That's the thing. Let me show you this. This is um, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be a, here it is, 
peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. A peaceful harvest of right living. I come through some, some times that I feel like I've been beaten up and asking God what the heck he's doing and what's going on. And I come through that and I'm like, wow, I'm in such a better place. Why didn't I cooperate better? Why did I... What, what, what were all those sleepless nights about? You know? It's because we're, we're human and so forth. It's the same thing we're trying to do with our kids. Okay? You know, the the single most important thing we can do for our kids, the single most important thing is to, is to bring them up in an environment that will help them make the right choices. The first choice being to be a follower of Jesus. I can't, I can't engineer that. I can't manipulate that. I wouldn't if I could. But I sure wanted them to, to and, and I'm grateful... They did make the right choice in that area, and, and uh, fortunately, we, we prayed for our kids' mate when they were little babies, and uh, we're fortunate that we got two uh, wife and husband um, that uh, in the same, 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 same place. It's just, it's just really great. The single most important thing we can do for our kids is to bring them up in an environment that will help them make good choices. The first would be to be a follower of Christ. Every time you see me do a baby, de- a baby dedication, I'm doing one next week. Um, that's, that's, one of, that's part of our prayer is, God, give us the wisdom. We, we commit this child to you, and, but give us the wisdom to raise him or her in the, in, the, in the nurture and the admonition of Christ so that when he's old enough or when she's old enough, at that age, they'll be able to make those right choices, beginning with choosing to, to follow Jesus and to be a follower of Christ. That's what that's all about. We can't make that choice for them. We can put them in the right environment. That's all we can do. Um, listen, everything hinges on that choice. The choice to follow Christ. I mean, think about this. Their values, their morality, their education, their motivation, their attitudes, their friendships, who they date, who they marry, how they live. All that is based on that, that one choice of a of, of beginning of, of following Christ. I had a friend one time had a very difficult chat with his teenage daughter, who was, again, raised in that kind of environment and then had become, at a, at a very young age, a follower of Christ and was very serious about her faith. But she started dating some guys that, that weren't helping in that situation. And my friend was talking to his daughter about that, saying... Some of these guys are just taking you in places, and, and, and you know, and, and, you know, literally and figuratively, that you really don't need places you don't need to be. It's not good for you. And she was like, "Well, Dad, yeah, but he's fun. He's this, and, Dad." And she says to him, "Dad, you're just going to marry this guy, aren't you?" And he said to her, "This is this is one of the, one of those lines. I don't know if he thought about it beforehand or not. It's a very insightful comment." He said, "We tend to marry the kind of people we date." Think about that for a moment, all right? <laughs> it's, kind of a, it's kind of like a logical statement, but, you know, we tend to marry the kind of people we date. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, we don't usually marry somebody we didn't date, did we? Um, unless we believe in arranged marriages, and that, that doesn't usually go over too well. Um, anyway, all of this hinges on that. So my point is this. This is really important stuff. We start, we start talking about discipline in our children to bring them to a place when they can make right choices, beginning with 
The choice to, to be a follower of Christ. It's huge. It's huge. They can be a Democrat. They can be a Republican. They can be a whatever. That doesn't matter. Well, maybe a little. <laughs> but, but being a follower of Christ, that's what really matters. And that's what we're trying to do here. Afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. May God give us the ability, the strength, the patience to be that kind of parent. We'll not be perfect. We want to do our best. And we'll ask God and His Holy Spirit who lives in us to give us that kind of uh, strength and patience and ability beyond our own. We thank, we, 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 we just, we, let's just pray about it. We, Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege. Help us never to forget that it is a privilege. For the privilege that we have, opportunity that we have to shape and help mold the lives of these young people that you put in our, in our care, whether they be our kids or our grandkids or, or nephews or nieces or, or friends, kids. I pray, God, that you would just give us wisdom. Give us the strength that we so desperately need and give us the patience which none of us have naturally to be the kind of parent It's going to help lead those children, those precious lives, to make those choices that are so vital to their life. We thank you for that, and we thank you for your love and for your grace, for how you're working in all of our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.